Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, Nate, good morning. I know you're breaking it all down, and we appreciate you coming on Commonwealth Foundation. How you doing? Yeah, thanks thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. So take me through it. You're breaking it down, talking about the budget proposals. We know that Governor Josh Shapiro gave his wish list, if you will, and now the, uh, you know, our legislature has to chop all of this up. But what do you think about tapping into the rainy day fund until, I guess, they can make uh, recreational marijuana legal and get all the tax money from that? I think that sounds like the plan. Yeah, well, even even with that plan, even with the plan to, to legalize marijuana and tax it, they still planning to, to drain the rainy day fund to, to fund all his, his spending initiatives. So even that um, is, isn't enough. Um, but basically, you know, folks who don't know what the, what the rainy day fund is, it's basically a a state account that is has was created for in you know when there is an emergency, when there is a recession, of having uh, a little bit of, of reserve in there. Um, Pennsylvania had actually uh, during the, the Great Recession drained the rainy day fund um, in, in 2008 and hadn't funded it for for many years. And it was you know we were one of the worst in the nation. We had our credit rating downgraded uh, under Governor Governor Wolf because of that. Uh, and then the last few years, uh, and partly because of all of the federal money coming into the state, we helped replenish that. Um, but Governor Shapiro is now coming out and saying, hey, we have this money. We should take it and spend it, not on one-time expenses, but on ongoing expenses, um, new programs. Uh, even though that's very much one illegal, it's not what the rainy day fund is meant for. It's meant for uh, emergencies. Uh, but it flies in the face of what the credit rating agencies have said, that uh, they've upgraded Pennsylvania um, bond rating, which means we get lower interest rates on on bonds um, because of that uh, building up that reserve, uh, and it's bad policy because simply um, continuing to have deficit spending, um, even if uh, the legislature approved and they drained the day fund uh, in five years, it means hey, we're going to have to raise taxes to to come up with uh, and balance that uh, that budget. So um, this is simply bad bad policy of of draining all of our our reserves, our emergency funds, um, in order to, to fund spending uh, and really looking at you know, the next, the next election and not uh, three years down the road. And so, you know, Nate Benefield, you're somebody who you're, you're not only a senior vice president of the Commonwealth Foundation, this is your, your wheelhouse, if you will, your skill set, looking at public policy issues, state budget issues, um, public sector, labor reform, government spending and taxes. And you've received widely bipartisan support and praise Wall Street Journal from the Washington Post. They've, you know, they praised your work and your very wise, sage, prudent advice. 
So when you look at this, these budget proposals that have come out, obviously the legislature has to uh, go through all of it. What do you see? Well, I am going to see, you know, in terms of what Shapiro proposed, was a laundry list of new programs and additional spending, um, and most of which, like, he has all these ideas, and he mentioned, you know, medical marijuana, he's got plans to bail out mass transit, um, cruelly revamping higher education, uh, even though they, they had a hearing yesterday, and the uh, head of the state school system goes, I don't know anything about these details, what this plan is, it's just an outline. Um but it almost seems like this is kind of a campaign rhetoric. Like he's thrown everything out there that sounds good. Spend the money, spend all this money now, um, and we can do this programs. Knowing that in, when it comes to the legislature, they're going to be much more realistic and, and pragmatic. He's not going to get all of this, um, and certainly I think a lot less than what what he's put out there. But has really put out kind of a, a wish list in order to campaign on uh, and seeing it as a, as a political uh, political tool rather than a, a serious uh, spending proposal. And and oh and I I do love that you're talking about the fact that it would because a lot of people may say well why should you know we need to tap into a rainy day fund because this is what it's for we have a crisis in especially the cities like Pennsylvania or excuse me like Pitt, by like Pittsburgh or Philadelphia the bigger cities and even in some of the rural areas after the pandemic shutdowns here in Philadelphia we had among the strictest shutdowns during the pandemic and even. Some would argue after the pandemic, and it really affected children here in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. But in Philadelphia, I can tell you that we have this loss of learning. It's unprecedented. And then at the same time, I look at it and I say, it's no coincidence that along with schools being shut down, the loss of learning, all that's happened, the despair, we have this uptick in younger and younger criminals and and being recruited by gangs, things of that nature, self-medicating. And so some could argue, hey, this is a time when we have a crisis in education. We should pour this money in. You say what? Well, I say, number one, this money is not, you know, dedicated in any way to, to reverse those those mm-hmm. problems that you've identified. And I think, you know, the learning loss is real and the shutdown, you know, because of the closing of schools. Um, but uh, one, school districts have gotten huge increases, including federal funds that haven't even been spent yet uh, to deal with the learning loss. There's still billions sitting there from from the federal aid uh, coming in there. Um, but, you know, what a lot of what Shapiro is doing is not even, you know, earmarking these funds, you know, in education funding. Uh, it's dedicated to school districts, not to students. Uh, and that's, this is kind of the big, the big issue I have with a lot of his proposals is he's trying to fund buildings and bureaucrats, uh, and whether that's in education, like we're going to make sure no school district, even those that have lost tens, you know, hundreds of students, uh, 20, 40% of their student population will ever lose funding. Uh, under his proposal, um, that's that's not you know realistic. When we have declining student population, the funding is not following students and not providing them educational options. Uh, he wants to fund you know more money you know more money uh, state taxpayers for mass transit systems that have had forty percent ridership declines, uh, more money for state universities that have had huge enrollment declines. Um, it is all about funding institutions, uh, not about you know dedicating money to where uh, where there is need, and certainly not in any way tied. To more results, more accountability, um, delivering better for, for Pennsylvanians. So, um, you know, he said like, oh, we should do this now, but it's, you know, spending one-time money for ongoing annual spending uh, for uh, for special interests um, is not a way to make Pennsylvania more competitive, more attractive, uh, or, or deliver better results uh, for, for families. 
you know, Nate, you had talked, you had written extensively during the past, the previous administration about Governor Tom Wolf, his administration, and and currently you you're a big advocate for cutting the corporate taxation that's going on in Pennsylvania. And I know that they set forth a basically a nine year plan or ten year plan. Um, how does that impact us here in Pennsylvania? That we have, you know, we're, I believe we're at eight. 8.99% and then it's supposed to be reduced. Can you take yeah, me through? Re- yeah. Yeah, it's reduced um, every year. So it was at, it was at 9.99%. The uh, first cut was 8.99. I think it actually went down to eight, 8.49% in, in January. Um, but it went from where Pennsylvania was the second highest tax yeah. state in the nation uh, to now being 41st. Um, in, um, so the ninth, ninth highest. Uh, but and that's, that's a good progress, and I think, you know, seeing it over, over 10 years. But um, being, you know, hey, you know, being in the bottom 10 is not necessarily still what's attractive to, to businesses. It's not how they make decisions uh, there. But, um, you know, the proposal would eventually get us in about the top 15. And that's where we actually will see kind of the, the benefits of it, where businesses are making decisions. Like, we want to go to one of the, you know, the states that is has a better tax fine um, that has, you know, Lower at the national average, um, and similar with the regulatory climate. Look, when how can we make Pennsylvania more attractive? Because our state has been losing businesses, it has been losing employers, mm-hmm. uh, it has been losing population to other states that have more competitive tax climates, and um, putting us trying to put us on a, a much more competitive you know place in our tax rates and, and tax climate uh, for all businesses uh, is is really where we we need to get in order to to reverse this this trend of, of out migration. Yeah. Well, and you think about, you know, as you look at the map, you know, New Jersey, 11.5%, and Pennsylvania, like you said, was, now it's going down, but it was nearly 10, it was 9.99%. Illinois, 9.5%. Minnesota, all of these places, you know, 9 plus percent. California, um, 8.84%. And then you look, you wonder why all these businesses are leaving. Even we've seen them leave Pennsylvania. Florida, five and a half percent. You look at the southern states and even neighboring states are, you know, I'm looking at Virginia and West Virginia, six, six and a half percent. You know, it explains why these, why all of these different, you know, companies are moving their corporate headquarters to places like Florida or Texas. Yeah, that's exactly what you've seen. You've seen it from, from Pennsylvania businesses, you know, relocating or, or doing their expansion and they're building a new, new facility in other states and, you know, it's funny, you know, Governor Shapiro mentioned like he's tired of losing to, to some of these states, um, but is not imitating what they do. And instead, he's proposing more in, in the realm of corporate welfare of like, hey, if we give companies more money, um, that'll be making more attractive. And that works, you know, on a hand case by case basis, but only to the biggest companies who have the best lobbyists, not for the wide breadth of businesses who make decisions uh, across Pennsylvania. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of small businesses uh, across the state that could be growing uh, if we had a more competitive tax rate for all businesses. If you compare Governor Tom Wolf to now Governor Shapiro and you and you look at them, what do you see, the good, the bad, the ugly, if you compare these two Democrat governors of Pennsylvania? Well, I think, you know, Governor Wolf came in. Um... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, very aggressive, you know, aggressive in his first budget, um, but loaded up with a lot of, of tax increases, a lot of spending. Um, and the spending, I think, side was very similar. And I think what is different with Shapiro is, one, he has, you know, delaying the day of reckoning. So he's kind of using, hey, we have these funds that he wants to drain right now, delaying when the tax hikes would, would come in. So he can delay until his, his you know, potential reelection or, or if he's running for higher office. Um, when when those tax hikes would would hit, um, but I also think he's you know Governor Shapiro is a much better politician. So he's already been on the road uh, talking about this, kind of campaigning on on his budget. Um, Governor Wolf was much more uh, kind of the academic um, behind the scenes uh, on that, and I think mm-hmm. you you see that both in in what you know how this you know spending plan has been presented and, and talked about uh, that. Uh, Shapiro is thinking about it as as a politician would, and you know the, obviously the rumors that he is interested in running for for higher office mm-hmm. um, in in uh, in four years, perhaps even. Yeah. So you have talked extensively as well about looking at the tra- Shapiro's transit proposal, and that would force you know, statewide drivers, resi- uh, rural residents who maybe will never use <laughs> these services to basically subsidize, for example, our public transportation here in Philadelphia. How do you break this down as far as Shapiro's transit proposal? Yeah, I mean, he is taking, and just so you know, how we kind of fund it right now is uh, the transit systems are usually are pretty heavily reliant on state aid. Uh, it's through both the sales tax uh, as well as charges to drivers. So a lot of driver fees and fines and, uh, and turnpike tolls are used to fund uh, transit systems. Uh, Shapiro has proposed taking more of state sales tax revenue uh, percentage of that to transfer to, to mass transit systems uh, all every year, uh, and partly because uh, the ridership of transit systems has, especially SEPTA, has declined mm-hmm. quite quite a bit. Um, what we point out is, number one, Pennsylvania is one of the states our systems are more reliant on state aid and less reliant on fares and local revenues than most transit systems, comparing it to New York and New Jersey um, and others where uh, the local government's kicking a lot more and they, they charge, you know, fares as a higher percentage of, of their revenues. Uh, I think that should be something that uh, SEPA should be looking at of increasing fares, especially for riders who can afford it, um, and make them more market-driven, of like making decisions based on where people want to ride and, and why they want to ride. And, of course, one of those issues is safety. and people don't want to ride mm-hmm. uh, SEPTA when there's, you know, they're seeing stories about people being murdered and raped on, on uh, the train lines, um, and then any state aid should be dedicated to helping low-income riders afford it. So instead of just giving a blank check to, to the system to use, um, dedicate that money to help those who need assistance to, to afford uh, afford pairs and help them uh, afford the, the cost of getting to work and, and, uh, and places like that. 
Okay, I'm just going to throw this out like a Frisbee and see how you take it. What if, because we do have SEPTA safety issues here in Philadelphia, Nate, we school children, some some middle school, but especially starting like in 7th, 8th grade, and then for sure by the time you're in high school, uh, you do not have a, a school bus here in, in Philadelphia. They they will give you some kind of a program where you can ride the bu- ride SEPTA, okay? That's so school you're you're involving school children. What if for something like this with all of the issues that you're talking about, what if they did a pilot plan and they utilized a privatized system like Uber, made sure everybody had all of their checks, their safety background checks, all of that and went to an Uber model? That would help also rural individuals who need to get to their doctor's appointment. As somebody, I know you're such a policy guy and, and a finance guy. When, when I propose something like that, just as a pilot program to see how that would work, what do you think of that? Yeah, I absolutely think that that is something to try. And I know that there have been some instances of, of being able to use, um, you know, schoolers have, has been able to, schoolers have been able to use some money to her, um, those who don't have a clear bus route of, of giving them money to, to use uh, take take Uber or another system. I think that would certainly be a better way of putting that money directly in uh, in the hands of families. To mm-hmm. hey, here's how to find you know this and and you know allow them to customize the route because there are you know obviously different routes to different schools and uh, for those uh, parents who are you know going to a some of the kids with magnet school or a charter school or a private school um, sometimes the the normal bus routes don't don't deal take them exactly mm-hmm. where they, they need to go and I think that is uh, a good idea because and it really does start forcing the system to customize and cater to the needs of residents and not simply have, you know, this one-size-fits-all bureaucratic, bureaucratic decided uh, lines and routes and, and system. Was there any silver lining that you saw in Shapiro's budget, something that made you smile, encouraged you, thought was a good idea? Yeah, I mean, the only thing in, in his address that I, you know, really liked was his, his mentioning of trying, you know, Still supporting educational choice and still supporting uh, scholarships for low-income kids to get go to the school of their choice. Um, now he didn't come out and actually put that in his, his budget proposal, uh, and wasn't certainly wasn't as strong as, on that uh, language as he was in other parts of it. Um, but I am encouraged that he is still uh, supportive of that idea. It was obviously the thing that held up the budget last year, the fight over uh, whether to give uh, give families a scholarship to choose a, a private school if they're in a, in a low you know low-income families and in, uh, in low-performing areas. Um, as much as go to go to private school, uh, that was the issue that held up the budget. Uh, the governor is still supportive of that, uh, and that's something we would definitely like to see as uh, as these negotiations uh, continue of of getting that that done. Hopefully, that this year for uh, for our families across the state. Well, I really appreciate. We always appreciate your time, your expertise, uh, Nate, Senior Veep at the Commonwealth Foundation. Thank you so much, and until next time, Nate. Thanks so much for giving us sharing all of your insight and expertise. You bet. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Thanks, Nate. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.